Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. We'll say things like, uh, all right, but then there's no more candy for life. And you've already told the kid, we're not going to have that treat. And then they misbehave. So the question has to be asked, who's teaching who here? That's Dr. Kevin Lehman, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family, offering advice to help you raise successful, responsible kids who hopefully will love God. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I think parenting is the most uh, important job any of us can have, and uh, we want our kids to grow up with good character, make us proud, hopefully follow the Lord is the number one thing. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman, I think he will do an outstanding job encouraging us as parents on how to get there. And so often we have great hearts and great intentions, but we tend to mess it up. You know, this thing doesn't necessarily come with a manual. Gene and I have talked about our boys now being 21 and 19. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Mm do-over? You know, all the mistakes we made. And we want to help couples who have these young children not say that at the end of the road that we want to do over. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Lehman and his wife uh, have five grown children. He knows experientially and professionally what it means to uh, endure the challenges of parenting and to work hard and see what happens. And uh, Well, I mean, that's really (laughs) ultimately what we're doing, right? I love that. (laughs) We we put all the effort in, and then they leave, and we hope. And uh, Dr. Lehman is a Christian psychologist. He's got over 60 books. We're going to be talking about one of them today. He's also the founder of the Lehman Academy of Excellence, a group of charter schools. Uh, The book we're going to be discussing today is called Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Kids, Nurturing Character, Respect, and a Winning Attitude. And of course, we have that here at the ministry. Just stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to get your copy. In addition to that, John, we have a little audience with us, so say hello, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to ask here. some questions that they're going to think about. Of Kevin, during this I hope, thing. not yeah, me. Yeah, Kevin, Good. definitely. I think <laughs> Kevin's already figured out he's here for us yeah. <laughs> to answer all our questions yes, yes. about our parenting woes. But Kevin, welcome back to Focus. Hey, it's great to be here. For our visitors here and for the listeners at our broadcast, when I come here, I'm home. These are my people. Always feel that way. Always look forward to being here. But, Jim, you said something interesting, and and that is, you know, as Christian parents, you want your kid to grow to love the Lord. You know, I'm here to tell you, if you look at the stats, you bring kids up in the Christian home and you do all those things you're doing right, well, unfortunately, the stats uh, sort of put us in a little different direction. Yeah, that's true. Because so many kids don't keep the faith. They wander. And I think that takes us really to that question. It's such a desire for us that we start that parenting journey with high expectations for our kids. And it kind of translates into how they reflect upon us, right? How their behavior Mm. and our embarrassment, all those things. So that's probably the first loaded question I wanted to ask you is, how often are we parenting for ourselves versus parenting for the kids? Well, for many, they vicariously live their lives through their kids. When you think about your kids, and I'll give you a little uh, insight here. Uh, I get the title of my books. In fact, a lot of authors will call me and say, hey, Kevin, I need help with the title of a book. Can you help me? It's just something that I like to do. But the word successful is there for a reason. Because young families today are driven with the word success. Well, what's success? When they think about success, they think about professions. I'm telling you, as a former dean of students at the University of Arizona, 
the freshmen would come in, and my first job was the head dorm rat in a large dorm. Everybody was pre-med. Everybody was pre-law. Well, do you think they ended up that way? Well, where those aspirations come from? And so what I'm saying is parents project sometimes their unfulfilled dreams and wishes on their kids. But when we think about success, we think about all these other things that, quite frankly, don't matter. Right. You know, and in that context, though, how do we rewire our brains as parents to either redefine success or mm-hmm. to make sure character is hopefully top of the line? Well, functionally, I think what happens is a parent figures out this isn't working. My kid's got a mouth. He's not respectful. They talk back. They're not nice to each other. Uh, you have situations where you talk to your husband or your wife and say, we got to do something about it. we got to move out or we got to bring somebody in here. Or, <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, kind of know. something on eBay. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's four of them and two of us. I mean, <laughs> and you figure you better win their cooperation. I mean, speaking of those dorm days, when I was a young buck starting off at the University of Arizona, my first job was a head resident. One of the deans came over. He said, Kevin, I have one piece of advice for you. I said, what's that? He said, there's 360 of them, and there's one of you. <laughs> Learn to win their cooperation. And so with kids, what I'm saying is we give them way too many things, folks. Kids don't need things. <laughs> That's um, so true. So but let me ask you, you though. you got to take it back a step and try to figure out, you know, Steve Covey said start with the end in mind. Right. So Yeah, but what, in that context then, so as Christian parents particularly, right. we want our children to have godly character. We want to see them tell the truth. We want them to treat others the way they would want to be treated, all those great foundations. Um, and we think of that in later terms as well as younger terms. I know when they're going through the terrible twos, you're not going to expect them to love thy neighbor, but you want to get them there. So one of the things you mention in your book is have the long game in mind, even yes. if the, in the short run they're not behaving the way you would hope they would behave. But how, how do you have the patience as a parent oh, yeah. to be able to say, okay, little Johnny, I know uh, you don't want to do this right now. <laughs> we want our kids to be truthful. We want our kids to have honesty. We want our kids to do all those virtues and values. They're great. We all want it. Now, here's my question for you parents. Are you that person you want your son or daughter to be? That's the question. We think about kids and behavior. I've written lots of books on how to curb kids' behavior, and they're pretty good books, but it really gets back to who you are as a parent because the concept of modeling is absolutely profound. And so these kids every day are taking spiritual notes on how you live your life, emotional notes, I mean, psychological notes, it goes down the way. You're it. There's, I can't get you off the hook, parent. You're it. Hmm. And as parents, if you're not on the same page, there's another huge problem. The kids feel that divisiveness, and they're going to try like a fish out of water to give you a run for your money. So if you're rule conscious, and so many Christians are rule conscious, they live by the rules. I was just up in Indiana Uh, speaking uh, this past weekend, and one of the church buses, I loved it. I made a comment about it publicly. I said, I love your your church bus, and it said, it's not about the rules. Hmm. My friend Josh McDowell said it years ago, and I've used it so many times, I always try to give him credit, but I stole it from him, tell you the truth. But rules (laughs) 
rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And so most of us have grown up in authoritarian homes, uh, and we sort of revert back to what we were brought up with. In fact, when we're under fire, the things we tell ourselves we'll never say to our kid, we not only say them, but we say them with the same tone and inflection. And we, you know, talk about those strategies. I want to get into that, uh, the mistakes that parents make. But let's start on the high side, the eight things that you point out in your book, the eight strategies that you've developed for raising successful kids. Let's touch on those real quick. Can you list them for us? Well, we can start with start with the end in mind. Right. That's good. We kind of covered that one. Okay. Uh, Expect the best. You get the best. One of the things we know about our schools, we have high expectations for our scholars, when you have high expectations, guess what? And this is what your parents need to understand. Your kids actually want to please you. So what is it in your daily minutia of life where you're giving kids an opportunity to, to please you? You do far too many things for them. You snowplow the roads of life for them. How about this one? Give and you shall receive. Are you a giver? If you want a kid who thinks about somebody other than themselves, do they see that giving nature in you? Uh, role model. We touched on that, but live the disciplined life. We think of discipline. Most parents are thinking about, oh, the fearful time out. Give me a break. Uh, discipline is really about how you live your life. Do you live a disciplined life, parent? Again, those little eyes are watching. So discipline, don't punish. Punishment's easy. You just react and, you know, you want it to be a teachable moment. It's more of a lifestyle living that disciplined life. Do you want me to go on? I got a yeah, couple more. Yeah, let's go ahead and okay. listen so people can get their head around. Uh, stay the course. I always ask couples on the sea of life, do you have a port of call? Do you know where you're going? You're the captain or the co-captain of the ship. Okay, and you're going to have mutiny on the ship from time to time. And one of those little ankle biters are going to fall off and <laughs> you're going to have to throw them a, a rescue, you know, bring them back on ship. But again, if you know the port of call, if you know where you're going, kids tend to follow leaders. I've written a book on leadership called The Way of the Shepherd. It's a five-star rated book. But one of the things I point out in that book is the sheep will follow only the real shepherd, the authentic shepherd. So there's got to be a realness. And many times I think as Christians, we fail to have those moments with our kids as they grow older about the time that you doubted the very existence of God in your life. That's not an unhealthy conversation. That's a great conversation. Because I think if all of us are honest, we were at that point once in our life where we stopped and said, well, wait a minute. Uh, Are all those things... uh, I was taught in Sunday school and church and what my mom and dad, are they real? I mean, everybody has to come. You don't make that decision. So for the authoritarian parent who wants to be way too prescriptive with your kids, I just like to ask the question, who's making that decision for your kid to follow Christ? You too? doesn't work that way. So failure is important. The Christian home ought to be a place where kids learn to fail, and it's got to be grace-filled. And when the milk topples and the orange juice hits the floor and the jam hits the floor, what do most of us do? Clean it up. We have a hissy fit, (laughs) yeah, eventually. But what do we say? Would you look at that? Didn't I just tell you to be careful? You you know what? You remind me of your Uncle Roger. Do you remember your Uncle Roger? (laughs) You're going to end up just like him. And and so what we need, we don't have thrashing or berating. We need a rag. So 
those little things, I think those are the teachable moments. And so a couple more, and I'll hush up. Uh, minimize friction. And we should talk about that because oh, we there's, will. there's ways. Oh, you will. <laughs> You're not going to let me off the hook on that yeah. one, are you? And then always keep the relationship first. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships. Life's all about relationships. Your job is all about relationships. Yeah, it's so true. And, and one of the things you mention in the book is this uh, bad parenting habits. And I think you kind of break it down to two yeah. two parenting styles, the pacifist, and then that take the child head on. But speak to that, both of those temperaments. Well, first of all, let's talk about the parent that wants to take the kid on, okay? Do you know who you're talking to? I am your mother, okay? (laughs) You know that? You know, and and there's just something in you that says, wait a minute, I pushed six and a half hours to give you life, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And now you hate me or whatever they're telling you? Uh, and I, I would challenge you, fighting is an act of cooperation. You know exactly what to say to escalate the battle with your husband, with your wife, with the kids. And they know all the little buttons to push. And they know those social situations where they've got you over the proverbial barrel. So like you say, Jim, there's these situations, basically two different things happen. One... We try to buy the kids off. We're embarrassed. <laughs> you know, we'll say things like, uh, all right, but then there's no more candy for life. And you've already told the kid we're not going to have that treat. And then they misbehave. So the question has to be act, asked, who's teaching who here? Which one's the monkey and which one's the organ grinder? Okay, right. so you have the parents who want to just pacify. It's the easy route out. And that isn't discipline. That's not a disciplined lifestyle. Okay, then the others who want to take them on, you're going to get in a power struggle. I'm here to tell you, you're going to lose. They have much more to lose than you. So if your kid's making a fool of himself in public, yeah, people are looking at your kid and saying, oh, that kid's something else. But let me tell you what they're really thinking. They're thinking, what is wrong with that parent? (laughs) But sometimes with kids, they throw a little something out there just to see if we're Mm -hmm. going to react or respond. And one of the tips in this book is learn to respond rather than react. If your doc says you reacted to the medication, that's not good. If he said you responded, that's good. If that'll help you keep that in mind. And so sometimes you might just say to a kid, oh, well, I've never thought of it that way. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Jennifer had a lot of anger from her past. And unfortunately, she was passing that on to her kids. But she found something better. Focus on the Family gave me the tools that I needed to nurture my children rather than breaking their spirits because growing up, that's all I knew. I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope. And when you give today, your donation will be doubled. Donate at focusonthefamily.com slash family. Christmas memories of baking and sharing stories with your family. That's depicted in the Jaclay from Focus on the Family titled Family Traditions. This story and paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a portrait of a lively family kitchen scene, will find a special place in your home and heart. Find out how to get a signed version of this special edition print at focusonthefamily.com slash family traditions. That's focusonthefamily.com slash family traditions. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
Kevin, let's go back to something you specifically mentioned in the book, and that's three methods to deflect these arguments. So let's just say I have a friend, and every night at the dinner table, there's this clash, mom up against firstborn, and the others around the table are just going, wow, what's this going to be tonight? Speak to that scenario and talk through a different tactic that mom or dad may want to approach rather than that head-on confrontation. Well, this is one of those areas that I think is sort of fun because it applies to husbands and wives as well in marriage. But one of the things we know about children is they really dislike questions, okay? And parents love to ask questions, particularly you moms. And asking a mom not to ask a question is, quite frankly, like asking a fire not to burn. And I've been in seminars where people have stood up and say, "Uh, excuse me, Dr. Lehman, I've heard you on... Focus on the family for years. I respect you and your work. I've read some of your books, but I must respectfully disagree. I think it's very important. Like when James comes home from school, I always ask him the question, how was your day at school, honey? Okay, well, let's go through that dog and pony show right now. How was your day today at school, honey? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. I mean, teenager, where you been? Out. What'd you do? Nothing. So the we somehow we think that we're the questioners. They don't like questions. I mean, your husband hates questions. <laughs> he, he, he's probably afraid he didn't tell you the truth. He doesn't like your questions, and he hates the Y word. And so lots of times we put kids on the defensive, and all they do is they just, you know, bolt to their room and text all their buddies and literally shut you out of their life, and they live their life, that a life that you don't even know they're living. So... Learning to say things like, tell me more about that. Now, that's interesting because it's a command in the English language. Tell me more about that. You would think that would put up defenses. It doesn't. That shows interest. So if your kid says something that's of interest, not a why, okay, but, oh, wow, that sounds interesting. Tell me more about that. Mm. That's so true. It is so true. Let's turn to the uh, small audience in here. We're going to ask you guys to ask questions of Dr. Lehman with the remaining time we have. Uh, Loann, I think you've got a question, correct? I'm Loann. Um, I'm a grandmother, as obviously Royal's a mother, but um, our precious nine-year-old granddaughter. Uh, she is very compliant for the most part. She's a firstborn. But every once in a while, when she doesn't get her own way, she does this very, like, foot stomp. <sighs> and the little eye rolly thing and it just frustrates her mother to no end and so I said okay mom I'm gonna be there is that the question you want me to ask so that's the question what to do with this precious one well one of the things that Jim asked earlier is how do you deflect you know some of this stuff you get back from Mm -hmm. kids now I figured a long time ago in my life I was the youngest child and I found out a long time ago I could make people laugh. And so I've always tried to teach people, hey, try to look at things humorously. So when the eye roll comes, you know, which frustrates the living heck out of you, try this. Oh, honey, that was so good. Oh, do that again. Only do it in slow motion, would you? Oh, my goodness, that was good. And and usually that lightens up that kid. But, you know, at a later time, not right then and there, You follow up, and that might be as much as a day later, Mm -hmm. or it might be an hour later. But, honey, uh, I want to go back to something that happened earlier. I mean, I saw the look on your face. You were really, you seemed like you were frustrated, Mm -hmm. and I'm all ears. You know, one of the tips in this book is learn to listen. 
And that's a difficult skill, especially for us as men. Men aren't great listeners by their nature. Women are much better at listening. But just saying, honey, if you want to talk, I'm all ears. And by the way, when those kids want to talk, they're going to talk. It might not be convenient for you. It might be at bedtime. It might be 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. But the good parent will take time to listen and get to the feeling level of what's going on. Because sometimes those rolling of the eyes or the slamming of the doors are just the tip of the iceberg Mm -hmm. that something's going on at school and somebody has been, you know, harassing her or picking on her or whatever. But that always opens the door. Mm. So sharing feelings, okay, opens things up. Mm-hmm. When you become judgmental, it shuts everything down. Right. And it's real easy to be judgmental. Mm. And that's probably the point, um, that judgmental. It's very natural for a parent to have a judgmental attitude. We've lived longer lives. We know what works yeah. typically and what doesn't work. And uh, that frustration of the uh, sassy child, you know, the four or five-year-old, it, other than using humor and trying to deflate that way, are there times a parent needs to do the timeout? Oh, yeah. Action-oriented discipline is great. Depending upon where you live, always at the – when I give this advice, I think of the person that lives in an apartment building in Los Angeles. I always say, you know, take the little ankle biter firmly without a lot of words and put them outside, close the door, and lock it. And let them stay out in the backyard. You say, you're kidding me. I'm not kidding you at all. It's action-oriented. So any type of action-oriented things you can do with kids, the better. The God we love through Jesus Christ was not an authoritarian. He didn't straighten us up, doesn't grab us by the scruff of the neck, doesn't rub our nose in it. But his holy word says, every knee shall bow. So we're trying to get away from permissiveness, okay? I don't care if you are 14, I'm going to tie your shoe. And away from the authoritarian, you're going to do what I tell you to do as long as you live under this roof, you understand me? Those are the two extremes. But if you look at the teachings of Christ, he was always an authority. And that's why I tell mommies, you don't take any guff from your son ever. Dads realize you put an indelible imprint on those daughters' lives. So be careful with that quick tongue. That little rudder, as the Bible talks about, could get you in real trouble. So if you're the critical-eyed parent, you're too critical of your son or daughter, let's pick on the firstborn. Usually they're reliable, conscientious list makers and all that your firstborn will not be that way at all. They'll be a procrastinator. They'll drag their feet. To put it bluntly, they'll be slobs. Well, why don't they measure up? Because every time they try to measure up and they bring home a a 98 on a 100-word spelling test, only you can say, you missed two? What's wrong with plus 98? So, again, just being positive, looking for the positive, goes a long way in rearing kids. That's good. Mm -hmm. Let's get one more. Ashley, I think you have a question. Hi, I'm Ashley. Um, I have a 14-year-old middle child girl, and she is overly apologetic. However, my son, 15 years old, built like a linebacker. He, when it comes to apologizing for things that, you know, you should apologize for, he's very prideful and digs his heels in. How can I help them find that balance? Well, first of all, let me just make a statement. You could beat your 15-year-old with a stick, and he's not going to succumb to your desire for him to apologize. But one thing you can do is you can say to him flat out, I am very unhappy. Turn your back and walk away. And turning your back and walking away is essential because I want you to see what happens. It's rare 
When you tell a 15-year-old, I'm very disappointed in what just went down here, you give him a few minutes, he's going to come back. And he's going to essentially say, well, I'm sorry about what I said. <laughs> it might be hard for him to get it out. But telling kids that you're unhappy, keep in mind that kids actually want to please us as adults. Your 14-year-old who's, when she grows up and they have a family reunion and it rains, she's going to be apologizing for everybody because she picked the date. Okay, I wrote a book about those people called uh, Women Who Can't Say No. I think that's the name of it. But so many people are pleasers by their nature, and they please everybody. And sometimes you have to have a talk with that kid. Honey, there's in life times in life where you're not going to please everybody. Everybody isn't going to like you. There's a great conversation, a parent to a child. I mean, people meet my wife. People love my wife. I give you zip codes people don't like me. <laughs> but it gets back to, do you have a port of call? Do you know where you're going as a parent, as a family? And so these kids, sometimes I'd have a conversation with that little pleaser and say, honey, you know, I love you because you got a soft heart and you're quick to apologize. But, you know, sometimes I get the feeling you're apologizing just to sort of avoid a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure you're a strong young woman because we live in a society where the peer group says to your daughter, Smoke this, drink this, snort this, do this, watch that. What's in your family repertoire that's going to help your kids say no to a world that says yes? Mm. So I think I I would take those a little deeper, take a deep dive on some of that stuff. No, that's good. Okay. That's really Thank good. You. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, Kevin, this has been terrific. And I think parents are getting the idea, and grandparents too, about what uh, we're talking about here. Great book, Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Kids. Um, I really want to encourage people to uh, get a copy of this. And if you make a gift of any amount here at Focus on the Family, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. Kevin, we're not done, though. I want to come back next time and do much more uh, uh, than just one day. I want to come back and cover some more of the material in the book. We also have an end-of-year match. Mm -hmm. uh, so when people make a gift right now, it'll be doubled which is terrific, and you can have twice the impact uh, to help families here at Focus on the Family. So I hope you consider that. Make a gift. We'll double it. We'll send you a copy of uh, Kevin's great book, all in the effort of doing ministry together. Mm -hmm. uh, but wait, there's more, Jim, because <laughs> we're bundling the book with an audio download of this broadcast, so you can listen again or pass that along to somebody that prefers to listen to someone like Dr. Lehman instead of just reading them. So um, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family. Uh, donate, and we'll send that bundle off to you. Or uh, if there's other resources you need, we do have those there. Um, that's focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Kevin, I can't wait till tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Uh, me too. I'm glad to be here. Can't wait for tomorrow. Hmm. Well, on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back next time as we continue the conversation with Dr. Lehman and once again, help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. But if you look at the teachings of Christ, he was always an authority. And that's why I tell mommies, you don't take any guff from your son ever. Dads realize you put an indelible imprint on those daughters' lives. 
So be careful with that quick tongue. Well, Dr. Kevin Lehman was our guest last time on Focus on the Family, uh, offering help to parents as we try to raise uh, responsible, successful kids. And we've got more encouragement from him today. Uh, Stay with us. Your host is Focus on the Family president, Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time we talked about the importance of uh, building character into our children. What parent doesn't want to do that? Keeping the end goal in mind. Dr. Lehman mentioned that. You know, it's hard when you're dealing with a Uh four-year-old to think of them as 25 or 30. But I'm there now, and I can see it. It's so much fun to see how many times you said, say please, say thank you. Now they're doing it. And they're polite. It's amazing. Uh, But today, Dr. Lehman will share more helpful methods uh, that we can put into practice to, you know, ensure that uh, our kids have not just successful careers, perhaps, but that they're successful as human beings, Mm -hmm. as people. And at the core of that, of course, is a relationship with Christ and and putting those, um, you know, wonderful attributes into play in their relationships. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. I am too. We always enjoy the conversation with Dr. Lehman, and uh, he's written uh, over 60 books. He's a well-known psychologist and speaker, and uh, he's been on this broadcast. Uh, boy, he's been in these studios so many times, Jim. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, one of his more recent books, Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Kids, Nurturing Character, Respect, and a Winning Attitude. And you can get your copy from us here at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A in the word family. Kevin, welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I, you know, I, I <laughs> Day just, two. I just reread this book uh, this week in preparation for coming here. And as I was reviewing the book, I told myself, you know, it's amazing because I've written a lot of books on rearing kids. I said, but this is really good stuff. And I think <laughs> the toughest part is the character part. You know, and uh, again, it takes a while to see it sometimes. It does, but just underscore the fact that, hey, parents, you know, they're looking at you. And it's just so important for you to be the person you want your kid to be. If you keep that in mind as you read this book, I think it'll be more meaningful to you. Yeah. Uh, we do have a live audience, small audience, but we're going to ask them for questions at the end like we did last time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun yeah. hearing from yeah, a couple of folks. Uh, Kevin, let's start with Proverbs. Uh, many parents mention this uh, great scripture. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Wow, that's a promise. Let's do that. You have a little different take on that. Well, it's. Uh, I think it's an interesting take, number one, uh, train up. My observation is that as parents today, we basically train down. We don't train up. Uh, We are too negative with them. We use warnings. And again, warnings are not a part of any of the Lehman books. Uh, Warnings are rather disrespectful acts that say, you know what? And we tend to repeat warnings. Mm -hmm. It's not like you give them one warning. It's over and over and over again which sort of says, essentially, I think you're so stupid, I have to tell you two or three times. And by the way, when you call a kid to ask him to do anything, how many times do you call him? See, I've talked to your children, and I know the answer to that. (laughs) And the answer is three times. And when you ask a kid about that, they'll tell you straight out, well, the first time, it's just sort of a general alert, you know. (laughs) And the second time... He or she, mom or dad, raises their voice on uh, a decibel or two. And the third time, they put my middle name in there. I know they mean business. So my question is, do we want to train up kids to learn to listen, tell them once, 
have a consequence that follows if they don't do simple things you've asked? I think it's a good idea. But the point is, we tend to train down. And mom is going into a store. She has a little talk with the kids. Now, listen up. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't ask for anything because the answer is no. What have you just communicated to your kid? And just be aware of those kind of things. So train up a child, okay, in the way he should go. Now, I love this one. Over in Proverbs 3, King Solomon ends with, uh, and he will direct your paths. Now, notice that's plural. You don't have one path in life. Your kid isn't going to have one path in life. Your kids are going to, you know, think of yourself, uh, majors in college you had or jobs, opportunities. We have a lot of different paths. But that uniqueness, train up the child in the way he should go, does not speak of your child. That's how God would have your kid go. Hmm. Any, any comment on the he will not depart from it? <laughs> yeah. We don't know what turns those kids are going to take in life. We think we do a lot. We mentioned yesterday on our broadcast that, you know, kids are brought up in the church and so many of them leave. Why? Did they not see that as real? What did they miss? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the fact that you can drive down the interstate in your state and talk to the creator of the universe, man, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's got to be a realness for kids to feel like, you know, I can talk to the Creator, and He cares about me. And I think you have to have a passion for being a parent today if you want that kid to not depart from what you've taught him. I think the problem is that we do all these other things, and like we said yesterday, we focus on the things and the success and the career rather than who they really are. And I've made it a point with my five kids to always say, you know, I love you for who you are. I love to see that kindness in you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, let's uh, get to the life mantras that you describe in the book. I think you start the first one. There's four. The first one is the boss. Why don't we describe these for the listeners? Well, some of you as parents are the boss. You know the right thing to do. (laughs) Order and doing things right is okay, but there's limits where that boss— doesn't become approachable. And the next one I talk about is the perfectionist, and they're a step worse than the boss because when they're wrong, it's someone else's fault. And I think admitting to your kids in as godly a way as you can, hey, I'm sorry, I blew that. I ran over your feelings. I had no right to say that. I was prying. That's your business. Let the heat calm down, and we'll talk about it another time. I think that kind of approach makes you what? Approachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jesus himself, as he walked this earth, he was approachable. Yeah. They tried. Remember they tried to keep the little kids away from him? What did he say? Huh. Front seat, come on up here, kiddos. I think we have to keep that in mm-hmm. mind as we try to model what God would have us be as a parent. Yeah. So we and have the boss, the perfectionist. What's three? Jesus had bad parents, as a matter of fact. He was lost for three days. I don't even notice he was gone. <laughs> I think I that digress. was cultural back then. I digress. <laughs> they had a big, big playground. Okay, loyal well, to the core. Oh, well, you know, these guys are great. Uh, I think they're the peanut butter and jelly of the sandwich. They never saw themselves higher from anyone's perspective than what they are. They tend to be servant-oriented people. 
they have some pretty basic good parental skills just in the fact that they're that kind of a person. And then you got what do I call them, the party? Party Central, I think is yeah, how Party Central. Book. So if you have kids like that, never met a stranger, outgoing, might have a sense of humor, uh, sort of garner attention. And again, keep in mind that all kids are attention getters, but they get it positively or negatively. That's the key. Hmm. And as a kid gets discouraged, he or she will become, you know, more acting out in a negative way. So again, it goes back to the heart. You know, the I mentioned that King Solomon in chapter three of the book of Proverbs, he uses the word heart three different times in six little verses. Hmm. And no matter what we're talking about on Focus on the Family, I got news for you. It all goes back to heart. Heart for ministry, heart for being a parent, uh, people who contribute to Focus on the Family. They know all the things Focus does. They're in a lot of things. It's just not a radio broadcast, okay? And so people who catch the vision of what they do, they want to become a part of it because they know they help people. Mm-hmm. That's true. But we need the love of God in our lives for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, um, one of the the difficulties, and we've touched on this yesterday and today, the, the, trying to get on the same page. You talk about getting on the same page as parents, and Jean and I struggled at that at times because she was, you know, a little more demanding. I was a little less demanding, and she'd be frustrated with me, and I'd kind of feel like, man, I'm seeing that this is going into a dead end. Um, speak to the parents that have that difficulty of getting on the same page. And what's how do you compromise in that regard? Because some of that's built out of your own temperament, your own experience as a child, all those things. It is. So yeah. how, how would you coach uh, a couple coming in for that counseling session? Well, and you're saying, okay, here's what you got to think about. You ask tough questions. That's a good question because marriage isn't easy. Living with a woman is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> Please remember, write Kevin Lehman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you women are weird. I mean, you hug anything that moves. I mean, uh, uh, us men, we're like, we specialize in arm's length relationships, you know. But that's a whole other book, another topic. But, but my point is. Yeah, what is your point? You, you, work, <laughs> you work toward understanding how your husband sees life from behind his eyes, okay? And he might be more of a law and order person than you are. Rules are rules, and, you know, and yet you may have that gift of being able to talk with a, a fiery 15-year-old who's got fire in her belly, and she's very unhappy, and she thinks she's treated like a little kid. But you, Mom... And that's why I say to dads, trust that woman. She's so much better at relationships than you are in all probability to go in and deal with it. And then, Mom, talk to Dad. I mean, tell him what's going on. Keep him in the loop. One thing men hate is hearing things third hand, you know. So it all gets back to communication and compassion. You know, those are two C's. And commitment. When you married, you made a commitment to Almighty God. Okay, and do each other. It's easy to bail out. You get married today, chances are seven years from today, you're done. So those of you who've made it through 18 years of marriage or 20 years of marriage, congratulations. You're going to make it in all probability. Mm. But it's every day. I mean, if you want to turn each other on, and this is especially for men, but pray together audibly. 
There's not a woman I've ever met who wouldn't love her husband just to say, honey, let's pray. Okay? And when you pray audibly, what comes out of your heart, out of your mouth, lots of times those things aren't said to each other. And it's sort of new information. Well, I didn't know you were worried about that or whatever. So if you have this intimate connection, I wrote a book by that title once, The Intimate Connection. If you've got an intimate connection, you can take on all comers. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Parenting is tough, and moms like Julie need encouragement when they feel overwhelmed. And the first thing I did was turn on the Focus on the Family podcast about parenting. That is my go-to because there's always a topic that is relating to what I'm going through at the moment. I'm Jim Daly. This season, help us give families hope. And when you give today, your donation will be doubled. Donate at FocusOnTheFamily.com family. Just like a warm fireplace when it's cold outside, the joy of the Christmas season gives comfort. I'm John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is excited to let you know about our Christmas Stories podcast. Each episode brings heartwarming conversations to bring your family closer together and remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. You can enjoy that podcast at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Hear past shows and the brand new Season 5 at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Kevin, in the book you mentioned some things parents can do to make changes. So I'm thinking of that that dad or that mom right now who are... They're thinking, man, I haven't done it well mm-hmm. up to this point. This is convicting to me. Uh, to give you uh, a kind of that list that I looked at that spoke to me, starting anew, a prisoner no more, expect the best, get the best. You mentioned yeah. that last time. Count to 10 before speaking. That's a great parental encouragement. Yeah. Power of vitamin E. Just touch on a couple of those. And the book is full of those great recommendations. If you're that parent who's feeling like, man, I haven't done this, here you go. Well, one of them, I think, is the obvious, is what can I do differently? If you're one of those persons that's quick to anger, you know, it's part of your personality. Do you realize that one of the reasons why you're quick to anger is because it was paid off when you were a kid? But getting to a point where, Jim, you mentioned counting to 10, think before you engage those lips in conversation. Mm. Uh, Have a soft spirit about you. Don't ask kids questions. Okay? It's really ask for their opinion. They'll talk your ear off. Treat kids differently. Don't react. Respond. Yeah. You know, one of the ones that caught me, because I I had this experience, was uh, ask for forgiveness. You know, sometimes as parents, we don't think we need to. I remember Trent was probably five or six years old. I think I probably reacted over the top on something, uh, which was, you know, not typical for me. So I went in, and I remember he was in the top bunk because he's the oldest son, right? So he's get, he gets the top he gets bunk. Pick, yeah. And I remember having that eye-to-eye look at him, and I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm really sorry. And this big smile broke out over his face. I'm like, what are you thinking? And he said, I just didn't know parents had to apologize. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's good. And, uh, but it was powerful. When you've made a fool of yourself, okay, and sometimes we do, yeah, it takes a big person to say, you know, honey, I was wrong. Uh, And saying that to a young kid, a lot of us have the idea of, hey, he's the kid. I'm the boss. And this goes back to 
train up a child. You know, I know what's best for my kid. No, God knows what's best for your kid. He's given them different gifts and ability. Our job is to nurture them. And time after time after time, if you come in softly, you've opened the doors and you've dropped the defenses. Okay? When you come in powerful, okay, accusatory, everything gets shut down and nothing you say is going to get past that veneer that that person puts out there to keep you at bay. Mm-hmm. Good parenting tip. All right, let's move to questions from the small group audience we have here. Let's go to, I think it's Nikki. My name is Nikki. Um, I have two wonderful, wonderful kids. Um, my son is 10 and my daughter is 8. Um, and they are super smart and kind and wonderful and generous to children. But are they for sale? They <laughs> are, yes. <laughs> But we have a we work really hard for our kids to provide anything and everything that they could need. But we have a hard time with them being humble and grateful for the things that they have, always seeming to expect and um, want more. How do I work with this? Well, number one, I love that question. I think one of the things we have failed to do across the board as parents in America is create a grateful heart in kids. Mm-hmm kids are on the take. They're hedonistic little suckers. You give them one, they want two. Okay. On top of that, we live in an arena where people who have means, okay, give their kids far too many things. These kids that play team sports today, you should see their bags. They're embroidered. I mean, it's crazy what we do. Oh, my kid has to have the best. I grew up poor. And I think growing up poor is a real blessing because mm. you understand. I mean, I don't. I live a life where I, every day I say, Lord, give me opportunities to bless people. This morning in an IHOP, I had a lady, and she worked all night long. I was there like at 5.30 in the morning. And I said, boy, I remember working all night. That's tough. And she said, well, you get used to it. Well, I think my bill was $9. We were a $10 tip. I know it's supposed to be 20% or whatever, but if you can go out of the way to bless somebody, mm-hmm. I mean, and your kids see that? I'm ta- I got kids who are givers. Is it an accident that they're givers? No. But I just think that staying grounded, giving your kids what they need, not what they want, there's a huge difference mm-hmm. in those things. Mm-hmm. But the affirmation of who they are and the love for them and the encouragement that vitamin E, as I call it, is so important. But don't forget vitamin N, because vitamin N is no. We're not going to do that. And that's what helps keep kids in the authoritative realm of life and not the authoritarian, where they're just going to react and fight back, or the permissive. And keep in mind, the permissive creates rebellion, and the other extreme does as well. Mm-hmm. I think you're in good shape. Congratulations on two great kids. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, Kevin, we cannot end without hearing that wonderful story that some listeners may never have heard about you dropping your daughter off at college. Well, I, but there's several. I remember my 15-year-old daughter, Chrissy, announcing uh, it was her first varsity volleyball game that we were not to come to her game. Okay? And she finally relented and said, well, and I told her, I said, well, I'm coming, but... Drove 90 miles to it. That same kid, you know, when she went to college, 
She was in Chicago. I travel a lot. I dropped in and surprised her. Hmm. And uh, she walked out of her biology class, and uh, she didn't even see me. I'm an old guy, and I would think I'd stick out like a sore thumb. And and all of a sudden, I finally said, Leamy, how's it going? And she whirled her head around. She said, my daddy's here. My daddy's here. And she's yelling to everybody in her class, my daddy's here. And she jumps mm-hmm. into her arms. Story number one, your kid will tell you, I don't want to be in your life. Okay, uh, separate. The truth of the matter is they don't only need us in their life. They want us in their life. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you about Holly. And I think this exemplifies what parenthood is all about. And by the way, you get one shot at it. And talk to anybody who's got kids in college. They'll tell you how how quick those years go by. Our oldest daughter went to a place called Grove City College in Pennsylvania. Wonderful school, by the way. And uh, we live in upstate New York in the summertime. I have a cottage on a lake where I hide out from people. And during the summer, um, I was sort of having fun, I think, at my wife's expense by telling her pretty soon you're going to have to say goodbye to your little daughter. (laughs) In retrospect, I think I did it because I knew it was going to bother me. (laughs) Okay? Mm -hmm. So whenever I told her that, she would do this. Whenever she cries, she says, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Well, the day comes. It's that fateful day where you, you take two cars to get all the freshman stuff, the rug and everything else you take to college. And uh, I remember that day like it was yesterday. It's one of my all-time favorite stories. Because it's that time where you realize, wow, this is a new journey here, a new chapter. And, you, and we pulled up and boys with blue button-down collars <laughs> Long sleeve shirts emptied out the the cars and and you get to that precipice where you're in the room, you can hardly turn around in, you meet the roommate, but then it comes that time. Holly starts saying something like, you know, it's time to go and I, I just said to her, I said, I gotta get out of here. And I felt claustrophobic. I literally ran out. My wife's behind me with Holly. They're about 50 feet behind me. I get up to the parking lot, and now her and her mother are now doing this back and forth, holding each other, and I still remember the sun just sort of gleaming off of them and and thinking, stay right there. Don't come over here. I I can't do this. (laughs) As soon as I had the thought, she makes a beeline for me, okay? And she comes up to me, and she puts her arms around me. She looks at me and says, Daddy, I love you so much. And I just lost it. And I remember thinking, it's so weird. I'm in the parking lot, and I'm reflecting back to her being 10 years old. I'm just thinking, you can't be all grown up. And it goes back to that verse we talked about earlier. Train up a child. Did I train her upright? Did I teach her everything she needed to teach? And and finally, in true male style, I took her little waist, tall, five nine, skinny like her mom, and I said, Holly, you gotta go, and I flipped her around. You know what she did? She just left. The following Sunday, she calls. I'm telling you, I was so excited to hear that. We heard all about Freshman Week, Three Rivers, uh, what Pittsburgh looks like at night, and I, after we talked for probably 45 minutes, I said, Holly, I gotta ask you a question. When you were walking away from us, 
what were you thinking about last Sunday? He said, Daddy, it's funny you bring that up because I was thinking about this week. I said, well, what were you thinking about? She said, well, I thought about the fact that you and Mommy had brought me up right. And now it was my turn to go and do it in life. And this goes back to what we talked about on this broadcast. Start with the end in mind. What do you want that kid to be like? Well, about four or five years after that situation, that sad farewell, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, speaking to an auditorium about 3,000 people. And I was closing a seminar with this vignette because I think it symbolizes so much about what parenthood's all about. I see this young lady coming down on the outside, and I looked, and I thought, that girl looks like Holly. And she kept coming. <laughs> it's Holly. And I announced to the crowd, it's Holly. <laughs> and everybody stands up and gives her a standing ovation. I've been working like a dog for two hours. Nobody gave me a standing ovation. But she comes up, and I got a mic on, and she says, oh, Daddy, she said, that was beautiful, but you got to learn to tell that story right. There's the Judge Judy in her, that firstborn. I said, honey, I told her, what are you talking about? She said, no, there's something I've never told you. I said, what's that? She said, well... I didn't turn around because I was crying. And I didn't want you and Mommy to think that I couldn't make it in life. Hey, parents, do you see how much your kid needs you to come alongside of them? Not the flaw pick, not to say you should, you can do better. Just to come along life's journey with them. You do that, I'll tell you, you're going to have a great kid you're going to be proud of. Mm. Kevin, this is so good. I mean, that that really hits you right mm-hmm. in the heart. And yeah. I'm sure parents are thinking about the long game now. And that's part of the goal here. Let's get parents in a better place about their parenting journey. This great book, Eight Secrets to Raising Successful Kids, a must-have. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get that through Focus on the Family here. Make a gift of any amount, and we'll send it as our way of saying thank you for being part of the ministry. And we'll include the audio download of the broadcast as well. And let me also mention that we have some incredible friends who are passionate about helping parents like you to raise godly children who will impact their world. Uh, These generous friends have offered to match your donation to help us come alongside more struggling families, especially around the holidays. So give uh, families hope this season by making a donation. Uh, And again, your gift will be doubled by these special friends to focus on the family. We hope you'll get in touch today. And as Jim noted, we'll send you the book and audio download of this conversation when you make a donation to Focus on the Family. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or visit focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. Christ.